Well, good morning. It is such a privilege for me to be here with all of you today. I was very excited, a little nervous, and I'll explain a little bit about that shortly. But I want to just do one note of housekeeping before we start. Um, you'll see that you have a package in front of you. It really consists of the three things that you should have. One will be your handout for today. And there's some blanks on that handout. And so as we get to that point in the discussion, I thought maybe to help keep everybody awake too, we can fill out those blanks. So you will also see on that handout, there, there are a number of Bible verses and some quotes that I've come across that are really special to me. I'm not gonna have time to cover all those today. So in your time this week, I would really encourage you to pull those out and maybe look through them because, like I said, they're some of my favorites and some things that have really meant a great deal to me. Your second handout should be the discussion questions that we'll use for small group time in a short little bit. And then the third thing is the devotional for the week. And that devotional really tried to break it up into three things. There's um, some questions that I've had to ask in my life. There's some scripture references because I feel like the best way to know our Savior is to just bathe in his word and to really study it and, and think about it and ponder it and consider it. And then there's a, a, a slot there for what I call prayer journaling. And my mom has always encouraged this um, with me because she said, if you can sit and think about what you want to write, that's such a great way to go before the throne because it's not just you spit it out, but you're, you're really thinking about what you're saying. So I would really encourage you this week to prayer journal. Um, maybe it's not every day, but at least try to do it one time. So um, with that, I'd just like to pray, and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I pray that the words that I speak today would not be mine, but would be yours. I pray that each woman here would um, just feel more in love with her Savior when she walks out today. We thank you for this time and this opportunity to come before you and just um, learn more about who you are and just the great God and King that you are. We ask all these things in your precious son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when Rose asked me to speak, I had this flashback moment of a speaking engagement I had a long, long time ago in Norfolk, Virginia. This has nothing to do with my faith, but my, my family likes to tell stories, so... This is a story. Um, at that time, I was serving as an engineer, and I had to do a lot of training on board Navy vessels um, where I would teach uh, young sailors how to operate equipment. And so um, I was a newlywed, and my husband and I were on a very tight budget, um, probably more inflicted by him. I, I tended not to think about money. Um, but at any rate, at that time, I was getting my hair highlighted, and I enjoyed getting it highlighted, but I felt like oh, maybe that's something I should curb. Well, my husband, um, he was very patient, very kind, and he said, you know, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that for you, honey. And I said, really? This, this is good. I'm excited. So back in the 80s was when a lot of hair highlights were done with that cap that would go on your head. It would just glued your head, had 10 billion holes in it, and they would pull the hair out. So my husband very patiently helped me get the cap on, and he began to pull my hair. He was pulling and pulling and pulling, and I walked in the bathroom. I remember looking in the mirror. I went, oh my gosh, you have done an amazing job. No hairdresser has ever pulled this much hair through the cap. I am impressed that you had such patience. 
Well, kind of a sideline along with this story was that back in the 80s, this was when Madonna, um, kind of telling my age, she was making a big splash, and she had this white blonde hair. I mean, really white blonde hair. So you're probably starting to connect the dots with this story. Anyway, I pulled the cap off and realized I had no color in my hair left. No color at all. I was white blonde. Mortified, because I knew the next day I had to go to work. I was going to have to go on board this Navy ship and speak in front of this group of people, and I was going to look weird. So my husband said, no worries. You'll be fine. He said, this is chemicals. Chemicals. We can reverse this. So... He said, we'll go to the drugstore, we'll get color. So we went to the drugstore, combed the aisles, figured out what we wanted to get, came home, applied the color, and waited. Well, rinsed everything out, and I was a flaming, I mean, flaming redhead. And I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I love redheads. Lucille Ball is a hero of mine, and, and of Green Gables, but this was the color of red that's in Pastor Tuck's, his clamp wig. I mean, it, it was bad. It looked so fake. So at that point, we just had to leave my head alone. And so I went to bed, went to work the next day, got up in front of a group, of, large group of people, and I mean, they just looked bewildered. What did she do to herself? What has happened? So with that, I can tell you, at least my hair's not going to distract you today. I mean, I, I still have chemical help, but I'm not looking like I did back then. Well, now that we've eliminated hair color problems, um, I have another disclaimer. Um, I have never spoken in front of a Bible study. Never spoken in front, really, of my Sunday school class. Um, really never had the opportunity. Um, so when Rose asked me, I um, was kind of astounded and, and very fearful I thought, I'm no Beth Moore, I'm no Ann Voskamp, I'm no Priscilla Shire, I'm nowhere near the women that I've had the privilege for over 20 years to be able to sit under and just listen and just absorb. And I felt so humbled and just um, very afraid. And on top of that, you know, when she mentioned the topic of eternal life, I thought, oh, i got to get my ducks in a row. So I Google Eternal life comes up, and there's like 10 billion things out there. There's articles, there's sermons, there's notes, there are Bible studies, and they're, and they're on a wide range of topics from God's wrath to our salvation. And I, and I thought, I don't know if I can do this. This is just, what am I going to be able to say? How am I going to put this together? How am I going to organize this to make it in any way, shape, or form something that that could be presented. So my prayer has really been, um, how could God use this for his glory? And after much prayer and some counsel with some women who know me very well, they just said, Beth, just tell them what God has been speaking to you the last five years especially. Just share with them about what you've learned. And so my prayer today is that despite my lack of experience, um, that, that this can be used for God's glory. That you will walk out this door today feeling more passionate about your Savior, knowing a little bit more about Him, and really wanting to just serve Him in a greater capacity because of what He's done for us 
and the fact that we do have eternal life as believers. So, let's get started. Um, the picture <coughs> in front of you um, was taken, this is of my family, it was taken about eight years ago in the Canadian Rockies. Um, for those of you whom I've not met or I don't know, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm 51 years old. Uh, I grew up in Blacksburg, Virginia. I was the daughter of uh, parents that were very involved in college education and college ministry. Um, my testimony is fairly nondescript. I grew up in a wonderful Christian home, wonderful godly influences from both sides of my family. I became a believer at a young age. I got baptized when I was 18 with my brother. Uh, went to Clemson University, got a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering, and then I moved to Norfolk. Um, it was in Norfolk that I met my husband, my sweetheart. He was also a believer. We got married in 1988, went to grad school, and I, and I got a master's degree in engineering management, and um, life was easy. Life was really good. Um, we moved to Mount Pleasant in 1994. Um, we joined East Cooper Baptist, and we began having more children. We had lots of girls, ran out of girls' names because we kept having girls. So all my children's middle name is Anne because I just couldn't think of other girls' names. Um, and, and we began that roller coaster that I know all, all of us have been on where, you know, it's just a series of events. You're raising children. For me, I was homeschooling. We had church activities. We were working. We were doing house projects. We had kids' birthday parties, kids' activities, carpool, the whole gamut. And life was good for me. It was really good. It was consistent. It was controlled, and it seemed to be mapped out by my planning. So going back to the picture, um, <laughs> I remember my embarrassment with my husband when he wanted to take the picture this way. And um, he, was, he was just sure that this photo had to be where we were going to be looking out at that magnificent view. And I, and I remember it was one of those situations, I know everybody has them with their husband, when you're kind of going, oh, gosh, do we have to do it this way? I, I, you know, the, the waiter's going to think we're weird. Um, I want to see the girls' faces. I don't want to see everybody's back end. And, and, and so I just remember kind of balking, and now I kind of regret that. But thankfully, my husband was persistent. He said, it's got to be done this way. And so this is our photo. And, and, and little did I know at that time what, what God had in store and what he was getting ready to call us to do in just a very few years. Um, on September 18th, um, 2008, the music for me seemed to stop. Um, I got a phone call from Rob's office, and um, they said he was having heart trouble, and they had rushed him to the emergency room. So in my mind, I, I just knew everything was going to be fine. Um, my life up to this point had been just a series of good stuff. Everything seemed to always work out. And so I figured this was no different. A little bit of medication, some physical therapy, diet change, um, worst case, surgery. Um, and and I, just, I just knew everything was going to be all right. <clears throat> but God's plan was different. 
And um, th this one that I was rehearsing in my head as I drove to the emergency room with the girls, it, it, didn't, it didn't happen that way. Um, Rob died. Um, I never got to talk to him again. Um, and he was gone. And, and I remember my first response was just, no, God, not, not this. Let me bargain with you. Just, just, just don't do this. And, and I, I just, I remember thinking, I, I, can't, I can't do life without Rob. I mean, he was my best friend, and we were in this together. I, what am I was going to do with these three girls? And um, it was just, just unbelievable. But I know that many of you, many of you, know that sting of death. And I don't want to stand up here today and, and present that my situation is any worse than anybody else's. I mean, everybody's got their bear, and, and, and this was mine at that time. What happened to me at that point was kind of a journey where I felt like my eyes were, were going to be opened into a whole new realm of what it meant to know and love my Savior and also what it meant for us to have eternal life. And it, it, it wasn't this big swoop, crowning moment, monstrous epiphany. It, it was like this bucket that's being slowly filled, like, like by a drip, you know, just constant, steady, slow-running faucet that's filling up this bucket. And I, I still feel like I'm, I'm muddling through a lot. Ask my girls. They'll tell you, mom's kind of muddled at times. Um, but, but I can stand here today and tell you that my view on God's promise of eternal life means something so different to me. It is so much more meaningful to me and something that I think about every day as I watch the girls try to live life without their dad and as I cling to my Savior as my husband now. Um, so back to the picture one more time. This picture stayed buried in piles of other photos that none of us had the strength to look at for a long time. Um, in fact, the, fir for the first year after he died, we didn't take a single picture. Just didn't want to think about it. And, and we didn't want to look at pictures where the family was whole. Um, that was just too much. But I guess a few years ago, my middle daughter, Elizabeth, wanted to make a special birthday card for me. So she dug up this picture, stuck it on cardstock, and included the song on Jordan's Stormy Banks. That song is awesome. It's in your packet for this week. Sing it. Doesn't matter if you're singing in your car and your kids think you're crazy. Sing it. But we realized when she gave me that card just what that meant to us. Because this is kind of like we all are. We when we take the time and really think about what's on the other shore, we realize it is going to be fabulous. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beyond what we can even just fathom. I mean, if this picture in the Canadian Rockies is that gorgeous, can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? To be with our Savior, to be reunited with our loved ones who have gone on before, it's going to be beauty like we cannot even imagine. So basically today, if you get your handout out, um, there were really three things I wanted to share with you. 
concerning eternal life. Um, these three things somewhat parallel, I feel like, the journey that I've had in the last five years, kind of the different stages and steps that God seems to have brought me through. So the very first blank you'll see, we're going to fill it in with comfort provided by the promise of eternal life. So comfort provided by the promise of eternal life. At first, after Rob's death, we pretty much just clung to things that could bring us comfort. I wanted anything to dull the pain. I wanted anything to make me feel better. And so it, we needed the word. We needed the body of Christ. We needed each other. We needed our extended family. We needed time alone with our Savior. And we just needed so much in the way of comfort just to get through the day, just to get through the next hour. And it just seemed like that was just where we were. Um, and, and, we, and we also found that there's so much comfort in pondering eternal life. Pondering, you know, the fact that we, we were going to be able to see Rob again, um, along with our Savior. So there was such a comfort that that brought to us. There was comfort in, in God's word, the stories of faithful people that were used by God who had gone through tremendous suffering. There was comfort about stories of what heaven's going to be like. And so that whole thing of just comfort just it was like a, a big bear hug for us at that time. Um, one of my favorite devotionals that I, I received a copy of after his death is called Streams in the Desert. And this particular passage is an excerpt from August 9th. Comfort is not given to us when we are lighthearted and cheerful. We must travel the depths of emotion in order to experience comfort, one of God's most precious gifts. And then we must be prepared to become co-workers with him when the shadows of night, needed night, gather over the garden of our souls when leaves close up and flowers no longer reflect any sunlight within their folded petals. And when we experience even the thickest darkness, we must remember that we will never be found wanting and that the comforting drops of heavenly dew fall only after the sun has set. Tim Keller, um, in his book, In Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, one of my favorite quotes, um, you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. A couple Bible verses that are in that section right there, 2 Thessalonians um, 2, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. In Psalm 119.49, remember your word to your servant because you have given me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promises give me life. Well, moving on to the second point that I wanted to share with you today. There's another section there with another blank. Um, there's hope found in the promise of eternal life. There's hope found in the promise of eternal life. Um, gradually over time, and I can't really put a, a date on it. It just was kind of a gradual thing. Um, I began to have a hope 
um, for something renewing. I was somewhat, somewhat past the stage of needing constant 24-7 comfort, and, and I really wanted to feel alive again. I wanted to have a sense of purpose in my life. I wanted to figure out what, what's the new normal, what does it look like, and how is God going to use me? Um, and and, and I, I began to just have these things on my heart, but I, I couldn't really process them. Before Rob's death, we had been real involved or, or someone involved with college ministry and what I call the 20-somethings. You know, there's a lot of them, you know, they're, they're graduating college, they've still got one foot kind of in college, and they're trying to straddle the work world, and it's a really confusing time. So we, we had started having some, some folks over and, and kind of ministering that capacity. I remember thinking to myself, wow, that's just so neat. I would love to be able to do that again, but I don't really know how. And, and, and my husband was always, um, those of you that remember him, he, he was always the extrovert. And he was always the one doing the outreach. And so I usually sat in the back seat and got everything together for him to be able to do his outreach. Because that just wasn't my thing. I, I didn't want to be out in the forefront. And so I, I remember thinking, oh, God, you put this on my heart, but I don't know how this is going to happen. And, and it was like this big and I see this often in my life, there's like this big wall of water, that red sea that's in front of you, and you can't see a crack in it. You cannot see any way that God is going to make a path through that red sea. But then slowly over time, you start to see just little, little paths that might just be it, but you're not quite sure, and then he gradually starts to show you. And that's basically how this started to happen. We started being able to do a few things with college students. We started being able to host a few things with this 20-somethings group. And it became really something that was really important to our family and, and became kind of a forefront, something that we gave weekly attention to. And what I found with that in tying it to eternal life was that what a privilege it is to be able to share the hope found in an eternal life with non-believers, or we, you know, like young believers, who they're not real sure what's going on. They kind of have some thoughts, especially college students. You know, they're they, they're so grounded when they're a lot of times at home, and then they get off and whew, it's a free for all. You know, there's all kinds of stuff out there, and then you know there was just such a wonderful blessing in being able to share the hope of eternal life with so many of them. And then also, there was, there was the hope of eternal life and being able to share that with fellow believers. You know, a lot of strong Christians, but they just, they just needed you to, to encourage them. I mean, we all need that. We all need that encouragement. And so I would encourage you today that maybe God has placed some things on your heart. Maybe you're not sure how to sort them out. Maybe he's made it very clear. But I would encourage you to share the hope of eternal life. It's a glorious gift. And it can mean so much to a non-believer. And it can also be such a wonderful, sweet reminder to a believer that maybe needs that encouragement. John Piper states in Don't Waste Your Life, I am wired by nature to love the same toys that the world loves. I start to fit in. I start to love what others love. I start to call earth home. Before you know it, I'm calling luxuries needs and using my money just the way unbelievers do. 
I begin to forget the war. I don't think much about people perishing. Missions and unreached people drop out of my mind. I stop dreaming about the triumphs of grace. I sink into a secular mindset that looks first to what man can do, not what God can do. It is a terrible sickness. And I thank God for those who have forced me again and again toward a wartime mindset. Psalm 37, 18. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. Psalm 49, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. The last part on your handout, that last blank, I felt needed to read joy given to us by the promise of eternal life. Joy given to us by the promise of eternal life. This is kind of the place where I am today. Um, and I, I, I can't honestly say that I consistently grasp the joy of my eternal life with Christ. Um, joy is sometimes a, a struggle for me still. I see joy sometimes. Sometimes I feel it. Um, but, but it's still a struggle for me. But I will tell you, it is something that God, he's, he's winning that battle in my life. And, and, it, and it's him. It really is. Um, the last thing I want to really share with you today is that there are three things that um, have helped me with this battle. Um, kind of above and beyond the, the obvious. I mean, it, it, joy comes in, in reading God's word and studying who he is. Joy comes in being with fellow believers and having opportunities to worship him and, and to, to come together. Joy comes from um, just thinking about his goodness and his greatness. But there were three things that, that I kind of felt like needed to become part of me um, above and beyond all that. There were kind of three habits that I felt like were really important for me to ponder consistently. So I want to share those with you. Um, this is something I, I just love. This was the, a picture that was taken um, the last Christmas day we were with Rob. These are my three girls. Um, Catherine is now 21 and as Rose mentioned, she's graduated, and so many of y'all have been amazing in her life to really welcome her back to Charleston and help her kind of figure out life at this point in life. My middle daughter, Elizabeth, is 17, and she's getting ready to graduate from high school, and she has this big red seat wall in front of her of, I don't know what I'm doing, Mom. She has some ideas, but God has not made it apparent yet. And then my youngest is Rebecca, and she is... 13 and a freshman in high school now. Um, and, I, and I put this picture up because this picture makes me smile every time. And it really makes me reflect on the very first point that I want to tell you about that's really helped me with joy. And that is 
count my blessings. My grandmother was um, very instrumental in my life, and she was uh, a, a widow for a, a good portion of the remaining years of her life. Um, and she, she was the one that would always just tell me in, in her southern Virginia accent, count your blessings. Count them. And for me, that's been so helpful because I, I, I thank God for his faithfulness. I thank him for the eternal life that I have with him. The promise that we're going to be with him and our loved ones in heaven. I ponder God's goodness. And as I start thinking about all these things, joy is just imminent. It just happens. And a thankful heart can be so healing. The second thing I want to tell you that I have to ponder is my dash. And when you see this on the handout, a lot of y'all are going to, you know, y'all are going to get it. It's going to be the women that didn't get to come today that are going, what's that dash thing? What's she talking about? Well, the dash is really cool. A long time ago, um, really shortly after Rob's death, I, I, I was sitting in a church, and this church has a graveyard right outside of it. And so every time church would let out, you would cut through the graveyard, and that was very humbling. I kind of need that more often, to be honest with you. And the preacher's message that day really stuck with me. Um, I was still kind of reeling from just missing Rob, and I was starting to get that kind of hope feeling of, you know, what am I supposed to do now, God? What, what's my life supposed to consist of? And his message that day had basically said, what are you going to do with your dash? Every gravestone out there has a birth date. Everybody here's got a birth date. And everybody here is going to have an end date. Death is inevitable. We will not escape it. But what is it that you're going to fill in with your dash? That dash that's right in, there in the middle between your birth and your death. What are you going to do with that dash? And so... For me, sometimes my joy is just really a struggle. I ponder that dash. What legacy are you and I going to leave behind? What will will we be remembered for after we're gone? Who will you or I have influenced in that dash? How will we have lived out a life that's pleasing and honoring to Christ in that dash? This picture also makes me smile. And this is the the third point I wanted to leave you with today before we close. Um, This is my sweetheart. I think about him a lot think about him like this morning when I had a ton of laundry that was staring at me. There were dirty dishes in the sink. The cat threw up. There's just a stack of bills. There's house projects. Um, And I think, what's he doing right now? What's he doing with his Savior? Man, it must be incredible. But one of the things that has helped me just with my joy is to think about one of my husband's favorite quotes. And you'll find this in your devotion, too. 
It's the very end of the week. I figured, let's end strong. But my husband used to say, if you're going to be a, if you're going to be a bear, you be a grizzly. And I love that. I absolutely love that because as Christians, if we're going to be Christians, let's be bold. Let's, 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 let's be on fire. Let's have some passion about what we're doing. We, we have an amazing calling as Christians. We have God's word as our instruction manual. We know that God will equip us for whatever he's called us to do. We know that heaven awaits for us as believers. We know that better things are ahead. So why do we live like we're second string? Why do we live like we're second rate? When my daughters uh, fly out the door, um, a lot of times they've got 10 billion activities and they're racing out and, Mom, I've got to go. And I'm like, just, just one second. And one of the things I love to tell them before they leave, I look at them and I say, remember, you are a daughter of the king of you are a daughter of the king of eternal life. You are, the, God, you are the, the daughter of the king of the universe. You are a daughter of the king, the one and only. So you live like it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I thank you so much for... Um, helping me with this today. I, I just thank you for giving me the strength to even stand um, and speak today. I thank you for each of the women that are here, and I pray, Father, now that you would um, help them to feel your presence with them all today. I pray that you would equip them in ways to just fulfill the calling you've given them in a mighty fashion. I pray that they would have uh, a passion to influence those that are around them, the people that are in their circles of influence. Father, I pray that you would give them a boldness and an, an encouragement um, to do what, what you've called them to do. I thank you for your gift of eternal life and what that means to us as believers. I thank you that we will reside with you in heaven for eternity. And I pray now, Father, that as we wait... Um, to be able to see your face that you will not allow us to waste our time that you will allow us to um, run the race that you've set before us with passion and with energy I pray Father for those that need restoring today that you would just work in their lives to restore their hope work in their lives to comfort them wherever they are in the journey. I pray, Father, that you would just give them whatever they need. Father, we give you glory. We thank you for who you are and for the work that you, that you allowed to happen through your son, Jesus. And we ask all these things in your precious son, Jesus' name.
Amen.